Welcome to Don't Look Now, the podcast with your hosts, Jenny McDonald and Will Hageman, coming to you this week with a, another topic of fun and intrigue and interest. So, as always, I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Jenny hopefully does. So, uh, Jenny, lead us off here. What, what are we discussing today? Murder. Murder. Murder is always, always a fascinating topic. So, yeah, murder from a coworker. Yeah. Uh, there's there's plenty of those right <laughs> or was it ah okay right okay so here we go year uh, is 2000 um, okay. it's january 2nd 18 year old zeb quinn goes to work at walmart in Asheville, north carolina he finishes his shift and he and a co-worker get in the car and go home here's the thing though He's never seen again. The co-worker is, though. Co-worker's fine. All right. So around 9 p.m. that Sunday evening, Quinn meets up with fellow Walmart employee Robert Jason Owens after work to look at a car that Owens had told him about. I just want to stop here and let everyone know if you haven't watched Criminal Minds from beginning to end like me, like a normal crazy person, the very first episode of Criminal Minds, a serial killer is capturing women by selling a car. (laughs) <laughs> and what he would do is get them in the car for a test drive yeah. and the lock on the passenger side wouldn't work and they couldn't get out of the car. And then he'd kidnap them and hold them in a cage and then kill them. Yeah. That's, so this that is sounds, a sounds like some murders. Ted Bundy stuff though. He definitely kind of pulled a come help me get my stuff in the car thing. So Right. Ted Bundy. Oh, okay. Ooh, Ted Bundy. <laughs> yeah. I could do a whole not prepared podcast for that. Let me tell you. <laughs> Um, so Quinn hops into the Mazda protege to follow Owens to a nearby town where the vehicle's located. The two are seen on security footage at a convenience store buying soda soon after, but then not long after that, Quinn totally disappears and there's no trace. So for over two decades, there's no leads and they have no idea what's going on. Wow. The family was totally frustrated by the lack of closure. So in 2017, co-worker Richard Jason Owens is charged with Quinn's murder, but it's unclear what happened, and investigators were still trying to figure it out. Hmm. So here's something, how something changed to make them go ahead and charge him. Huh? Yeah. So born on May 12, 1981 in Asheville, North Carolina, Zeb Wayne Quinn had admirable dreams and ambitions and the character to achieve them. He was described as kind and caring by his family. Um, he was enrolled in the Reserve Officers Training Corps, and, uh, which is the ROTC, and determined to join the armed forces as a commissioned officer. Until then, he was trying to save money for a new car, so he was working at Walmart. Uh, his 22-year-old co-worker said, I know a car for sale that's not that far away. You want to come with me and check it out? Yeah, dude, let's do that, as you do with your coworkers. So after his shift in the electronics department, uh, Quinn meets Owens in the Walmart parking lot. They each drive their own car, and they're spotted together at a nearby convenience store purchasing sodas around 9.15, and that's when he goes missing. His mother, Denise Velikas, reports him missing the following day. 
So according to the local newspaper, when his car was found in the parking lot of the Little Pigs Barbecue on January 6th, things started to get freaking weird. Hmm. Like weird. So first thing, the car's headlights were on. He went missing on the second. Yeah, this is four this days. Right? Four days later, the car headlights are on. Um, there's drawings of a mouth and an exclamation mark scrawled on the back window in lipstick. <laughs> and then, like, that's not weird enough. There's a live puppy dog inside the car. <laughs> so in addition to this tiny black Labrador retriever, um, and it turns out one of the officers on the case adopted this dog, which I love. Um, the police found several bottles of booze, a jacket that wasn't Quinn's, and a key card from an unknown hotel. And they were also tipped off that witnesses had seen a mysterious woman driving the car around. <laughs> um, so this parking lot, interestingly enough, is right next to the hospital where his mother worked. Hmm which is creepy to me. They wanted that found. So the police put together a composite image of the driver based on witness reports. And people are noting, you know what? Um, This lady looks an awful lot like Misty Taylor, who he had supposedly been dating before he disappeared. Um, But, or at least attempting to date, I guess I should say but she had an allegedly abusive boyfriend by the name of Wesley Smith. So these were just like a bunch of random ass clues that they cannot figure out. There's no like rhyme or reason to them. Right. Yeah. So since the last person to see Quinn was Owens, the police start to to question him. And he claimed that just after they left the convenience store at nine 15, Quinn used his headlights to signal for Owens to pull over. When he did, Quinn told him he'd received an urgent page and he desperately needed to return the call. Um, as reported, Owens said Quinn was visibly frantic after he made the call from a nearby payphone. He apologized for canceling their plans and then speeds off. So this is, of course, like Owens. Eh, okay, sure. Owens even went as far to say that Quinn rear-ended him in his hurry to leave. <laughs> Most curious of all, Owens admitted himself into a hospital a few hours later for a head injury and several fractured ribs. He said that he sustained and yet another car accident later (laughs) that night the police never found a collision report or evidence of an accident (laughs) they did discover on january 4th though that someone claiming to be quinn had called out sick from walmart interestingly that two days after he disappeared he called in sick according to um one source, Quinn's supervisor, Patty King, answered the phone and realized this voice on the other end sounds nothing like him. <laughs> when she calls the number back, she was connected to the local Volvo plant where Owens worked a second job. Police questioned Owens about it, and he admits he made the call, but he said he did so because Quinn asked him to. And Quinn's family's like, no, he didn't. <laughs> he asked you to two days before, and then you decided to like call in, huh? Right. Like, yeah, no, he didn't ask you to do that. Don't, don't be weird. And then he says, they called me at work. Like, what'd you do to him? And he was like, I tried to be nice. They want to know, but until they find him alive or dead or prove beyond a shadow of doubt, I didn't do anything. People are always going to think I did something. (laughs) So there's no evidence really. 
So the police are like, okay, well, what can we do? We have nothing to confirm that this guy did something. So the police are like, hey, didn't he say that, you know, Zeb Quinn got a, a page that night? We can check that. Yeah. So they trace the page that supposedly was sent to Quinn in a frenzy before he vanished. They discovered that the call came from the house of his aunt, Ina Ushtik. However, she's like, I didn't make that phone call. And she had an alibi. She was having dinner with her close friend, Tamara Taylor, the mother of Misty Taylor, the woman (laughs) allegedly driving his car around town. (laughs) According to Spin Magazine, Quinn had met 19-year-old Taylor at his family's restaurant just a week before he disappeared, and they had struck up a friendship. When he learned about the reportedly abusive relationship with her boyfriend, he wanted to help her. One of his friends later says the only thing he talked about with the, was this girl once he met her. She was like, Wah! you know, mm-hmm. as teenagers in love do. However, when word got back to Smith that Quinn and his girlfriend were talking, he started to make threats. A friend of Quinn's father told Spin that um, this guy had some confrontation with Quinn. And that's when the threat got back to Zeb that Wesley and some of his buddies might do something. And they were basically just threatening him to stay away from this girl. So Aunt Ida Ina, or Ina Ushtik, I just like that name. (laughs) That I can pronounce just fine. So um, she tells police that Taylor and Smith were both present at Tamara Taylor's home on the night of January 2nd when they were having dinner together. But if his aunt was out of the house, how did they get a phone call from her phone? So... Even more confusingly, Ina reports her house has been broken into. Yeah. Nothing is stolen, but a bunch of stuff's out of place. Taylor and Smith both denied of being involved in this kid's disappearance. There's no evidence to connect them to the potential crime either. So they closed that out. It wasn't until 15 years later on March 17th, 2015, that Robert Jason Owens is arrested for the murder of the Food Network's host, con- the Food Network star contestant, Christy Schoen-Cod, her husband and their unborn child. He pled guilty to three counts of second degree murder and two counts of dismembering human remains. <laughs> wow. According to this, soon after... The police obtained a warrant to search his property in connection to the Zeb Quinn disappearance. They received a tip about a fish pond project that Owens had started and aborted soon after Quinn went missing. Beneath the concrete of the abandoned pond, the police found fabric, leather, and material and unknown hard fragments, as well as several bags filled with possibly pulverized lime or powdered mortar mix. With this evidence on hand, they charged him with first-degree murder and the death of Zeb Quinn, and he's currently awaiting a trial. Um, so they think that this is the big break that they have been looking for in this case. Huh. Is that not wild? It is wild. I would like to know more about this dog, yeah. the lipstick, the woman driving the car. It's still a fairly recent case, so there's not a lot going on about it right now. Yeah, it sounds like a collusion thing to me. Like you know boyfriend of the girl he liked colludes with guy at walmart that says hey you know take him over to 
get whatever car and then basically broke into the aunt's house to be able to use that phone and phone number to tell him to go meet them somewhere nearby or whatever and then did him in but i think it sounds awfully damn sketchy personally but what do i know right yeah so let's move forward i don't know if you've seen in the news the last few days Mm -hmm. um there was a california teenager who was reported missing three years ago and he was found this month in utah So um, the sheriff's deputies encountered him sleeping at a gas station in Utah and in the Park City area on April 9th. So someone had called it in and asked for a welfare check, welfare check. When they arrived, they scanned his fingerprints and found an arrest warrant for someone with a similar name. So they did a little bit more research because like, oh, the name's similar. We should just look into this a little bit more. And what did they find? They found that he was a missing child who had autism and they had been looking for him for a really long time. Wow. So what they think happened, um, they found mom who had moved from California to Idaho Falls. And she went and found him. And what she said is that someone had allegedly told him that what he needed to do was go on a pilgrimage to find himself. Huh. So they're trying to fit together the whole story of everything that happened because, you know, he's autistic and it's hard sometimes to communicate with people that are autistic um and so they're working through the whole story and trying to figure it out so they did find him which is crazy well Um, what age was this kid you said teenager but like any idea he was 17 when he went missing and they found him now three years later okay people had been you know saying that they were seeing this person walking around pushing a cart for quite a while Mm -hmm. um they they police had actually contacted him several times to ask him what he was doing, but they didn't have any reason to ask for any identifying information because he wasn't violating any laws. Um, they often would like try to help him find resources like transportation or few food or whatever. And he always turned him down. So it wasn't like they weren't trying. It's yeah. just that they had no reason to ask him for anything more. Yeah. That's crazy. So, right. And he was afraid of the police, so he didn't want to just go up to someone and ask for help. Was the other thing. Uh, well, this reminds me of the the one time that we inadvertently got ourselves in some way involved in a missing persons case. I was up in Breckenridge this last time we were out there. I think I told you about it. Yeah. It was all ongoing, but uh, we had... Oh, you know, I think Amy, Annika, and I had gone out. I don't remember what all we were doing, but Daniel had stayed back with uh, his aunt and uncle and cousin and our our Airbnb. And as we kind of made our way back home, all of a sudden we found out like the entire block that the house was on was completely, you know, roped off by the police and nobody could get in. And, you know, we couldn't get in, couldn't figure out what was going on. And then the police had basically announced that they'd, you know, found a body in the area and everybody was to stay inside. So he was, you know, basically they were all locked up in the house and had no idea if there was some active murderer running around or what was going on. And, you know, eventually, you know, hours later, we were finally able to get back in there and, you know, eventually found that basically they had found a, a body of a lady kind of just, just kind of up the block and across the street from where we were staying, basically, I think just next to this house. 
And it ends up, you know, she had been missing for a couple of days. I guess she had been with her family and then there was some argument and she'd gone off saying she was going to go, you know, hitchhike to see a friend in a different town and had vanished. And then they had found her. And, you know, apparently it was a, eventually they basically, you know, ruled it a suicide, but, you know, the, which was incredibly sad, but it was also very freaky that, I mean, this had been days. So she was sitting there deceased. We'd walked by that house tons of times. People were out in the, you know, there was a little uh, basketball goal out there on the street. People were playing basketball and wandering around for like days, probably right next to this woman's body. And no one, no one saw her. Isn't it crazy to think of how like close yet so far away that is? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, I mean, we had to walk 20 feet from her multiple times and no one, no one ever noticed, you know, which was just wild well i'm always fascinated by where the hell missing people go to like Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) there seems to be an abundance of people that just go missing over time and it just baffles me another case that was in the news here just a week or so ago a teenage boy was on the news um he's homeless and he couldn't feed his dog anymore so he gave Mm -hmm. him up for adoption and ended up getting enough resources that he could get his dog back from the main shelter. And like they placed him in a home and they were getting him care. And out of the blue, this lady's like, Oh, that's my kid. (laughs) (laughs) But she contacts them. Like she's in the news saying like, yeah, we've been trying to find him for a really long time. Um, We had gotten into a fight and he ran away. And I think he thinks he can't come home. And she's like, we want him to come home. (laughs) Yeah. So like, Yeah. yeah, it's, I think the good thing about what we're living in right now is this really digital age where you can find people again. And like these coincidences of this kid gave his dog up and the news happened to catch the story and they're getting him services. And his mom happened to see that news episode that night. Like Uh these are really rare things that we're experiencing right now. And that's why some of these cases are finally going to get solved. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. But yeah, a lot of these cases are just so confusing. Like, you know, the original case, there's so many details that seem opposite that don't fit that you're just like, well, why, why did this happen? You know, what is going on? Yeah. And like, in the case I was with this case of Zeb Quinn, like, it's really sad that it took this guy murdering three other people for them to be able to even pull a search warrant to have enough evidence to be able to get that far. And like what new evidence did they have for the search warrant is what I want to know. Uh Exactly. Like someone had to have given new evidence to be able to get that because otherwise they have the same evidence that they had 20 years ago, which wasn't enough to get a search warrant. Yeah. That's why other than now they have totally circumstantial evidence that he murdered three other people. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. It's, it's crazy. But now it's won't be. I'll have to look all that up and see, see what is the latest in all this. So it's pretty recent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, but crazy. I mean, in murder trials, that means nothing, right? Yeah. So like, evidence hasn't even really been brought into a trial because they yeah. may not even have gone to trial yet. Yeah. Well, I'll have to pay attention to that if and when it rolls around. So yeah, justice is slow when it comes to yeah. murder trials. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Ah, well, cool. Well, thanks for telling me about all that it's pretty fascinating and uh as always thanks everybody for listening this week as always uh rate subscribe review (laughs) tell your friends about our podcast and uh, we will catch you all in a week
Bye-bye, folks. <laughs>